wants, needs. In many ways, two sides of the same coin. Both feed into and off of our senses of selves. Both drive us towards goals, pushing us to receive those things that are lacking in some way in our lives. Needs form the base, and fulfilling those keeps us healthy, stable, and able to navigate through existence. Wants are the walls, although they may not always provide us with things that are helpful. Leaving needs empty causes us to collapse, to fall apart. Leaving wants unpursued can cause discontent and to wonder what else is out there for us. There is a third thing calling that can inform or distract from both wants and needs. I am calling from Elm Lake. felt stuck, trapped. My own doubts and insecurities have been pushed to the forefront. Andrea's words continue to echo through my mind. And I wonder about the concept of want and how it applies to me. While it's possible that my wants are simple and that I've already largely taken care of them, knowing that the glass eye hasn't had anything for me on that front leaves me worried that I'm not living my own life to the fullest. My wants can't truly be that basic or that simple to achieve, can they? Maybe there's some secret that Marissa and Samantha have been keeping from me. That's a want. I want to know what their secret is. At this point, it feels strong enough that it almost becomes a need and I'm starting to wrap my head around the concept that the glass eye is tapping into needs just as much as tapping into wants. But the more time that I've spent around the store, the more I've realized that those aren't the only things the doll makers are toying with. They've clearly tapped into something a little more esoteric. And for a while now, I was having trouble pinning down exactly what that is. But I finally have the answer. Fear. That's why Angus's doll is sharp, jagged, and carries the ability to injure. That's why Emilia's doll is quiet and easily closed into a box. That's why Jonas has surrounded himself with many dolls, giving him more personas for his performance, and why Marcus has gathered a collection of dolls that resemble most of the town. Angus fears his own ability to cause pain, 
Emilia fears being locked away and forgotten. Jonas fears not having an outlet. And Marcus... Well, Marcus fears both what Elm Lake represents and what it could be. These dolls are tapping into something. Samantha and Marissa are tapping into something. And if I'm correct, and that something is fear, then that explains why they don't have anything for me. At least haven't up to this point. I fear having and being nothing. With that particular fear, of course the glass eye wouldn't provide. Providing a doll for me would go directly against that fear. It would give me something which would put me at ease. So instead, I continue to wait, to worry, to try to puzzle my way through this dense trail that they've laid before me. Around every corner, I keep hoping to find an answer. I want one so badly that it feels like a need. And yet, when every turn results in simply more questions and no resolutions, I fear. I worry that Elm Lake has already passed me and there is nothing I can do to be truly part of it. I've watched Andrea with her tiny chef doll. I've witnessed how she cares for it, giving it gentle instructions, despite knowing it is simply a doll and cannot possibly follow her direction. Andrea always said she wanted a sous chef working with her, and she's gained one. But she's also expressed fear that she'll be overtaken in skill by someone with less experience, but more natural talent. Fear can be a powerful motivator. I've stopped by the glass eye every day since my conversation with Andrea. I have never been allowed admittance. Even when other residents of Elm Lake are perusing the shelves, I am not able to enter. There isn't anything physically barring me, but I'm filled with the dread that, once again, there's nothing for me there. Emptiness going without. I found myself walking the streets at night, much like Jenny Fowler. I don't carry a basket, but I have pockets, and my eyes constantly search the street for scraps of anything I could put into them. And yet, every night, every corner there is nothing and no one no Jenny Fowler no Lorraine Powell 
No Jorge Sanchez. Nothing. Emptiness. Elm Lake dropping a blanket of silence over the streets. Darkness shrouding everything and filling the air with foreboding. The daylight hours feel just as foreboding in a different way. I don't want to be seen in the daytime because I don't want the rest of Elm Lake to see that I am lacking. But the glass eye has observed me, analyzed me, and found me insufficient. Or it discerned that the best gift it could possibly give me in order to fulfill whatever planet has is to grant me nothing at all. So I wander the streets at night. I walk past the bricked up building that pricks at the back of my mind, as though I should remember it as a place I frequented. A place with something substandard that still somehow satisfied, even when I hated to admit it. I look for Marcus, but don't see him, as he's surely surrounded himself with the comfort of his manufactured Elm Lake. I search for Amelia, but her lights are dark and her house is shuttered. There is still laundry hanging from the lines in regular intervals, and the lawn remains immaculate, but I don't see her outside anymore. Looking down the dark main street towards the storefront of the glass eye, I finally see another person. No, correction people. At first, I think I'm seeing Jenny and Amelia, two women that, as far as I'm aware, don't know each other well and therefore would be odd to be seen together. But no, this isn't either of them. It's the Dollmakers. Samantha and Marissa looking up the street looking at me well Marissa is she's got a crooked grin on her face as she looks at me her eyes dark as she almost stares at me Her arms are crossed, and she's got a self-assured swagger to the way she's leaning against the building. I want to look away, but I keep feeling my eyes drawn back to hers, and seeing that grin twist into a dark smile. She glances at Samantha, and I see her lips move. Samantha, for her part, isn't looking at me. She's looking through me. I don't register in her vision. She leans towards Marissa, listening to whatever her companion is saying. I wish I could hear them, but the distance is too great. Samantha blinks her eyes, says something back to Marissa, and 
focuses her vision on me. It almost feels like she's boring into my soul. Her eyes cutting me to the bone and exposing my weaknesses and doubts for all of Elm Lake to see. I'm rooted in place and cannot break the hold that these two have over me. My mouth is dry and I can hear my breathing slowing and shortening, stuttered gasps spilling out of my mouth. I'm slack-jawed and my brain keeps screaming for me to run. After what feels like hours, Samantha blinks again, and my own eyes close reflexively. A wave of something like relief washes through me in that momentary darkness. When I open my eyes again, the street is empty. I could have sworn it was only a moment, but there is no sign of Samantha or Marissa. They aren't on the street anymore, and the glass-sized storefront is dark, shrouded in shadow. I suppress a shiver and make my way back to my safety. The glowing lights, the flickering dials. I may not know what I want or need, but I have gained a firm grasp of what I fear. And I need to return to a place where I can push that fear away. I need to get my thoughts down into a recorded form and to push them out over the airways for others to analyze. I feel both like I've seen a ghost and like I've become a ghost myself. A gentle rain starts falling, chilling me to the bone. A wind whips up out of nowhere, cutting even further, and I start running. My legs feel leaden, and my feet trip over invisible obstacles on the street. I don't fall, miraculously, but I'm not entirely sure how I was able to press on in the first place. My body barely feels like my own and it barely wants to obey the commands I'm giving it. I reach the small hill where the studio is, and I labor my way up to the door. Locked, of course. I don't remember locking it, but I'm sure I did, as I'm sure I generally do when I leave it. I still fear that someone will come in and do something to the studio, taking away my ability to get these words out. My fingers fumble with the keys, and I'm eventually able to push the door open. Stepping inside the building, the first thing I see is scattered flower petals, almost forming a trail leading me into the recording studio itself. I still don't know where the petals come from. They generally fill me with calm, but tonight they feel foreboding. Taunting. 
I reach the yawning opening into the broadcast space itself. The room is dark, the board unpowered. The pedals continue to lead inwards. I take a deep breath and steel myself. I tell myself I have an obligation. There are others out there who wait for my transmissions, who are waiting for my thoughts. I reach my hand and flip on the lights. On the stool, in front of the board facing away from me, a doll is waiting. Calling from Elm Lake, episode 38, What You Fear, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinismusic.com. Thank you for listening to our ongoing tale. If you've enjoyed our stories so far, please leave a rating and review. Word of mouth will help us continue to grow and unfold new tales within our universe. You can also join us at www.patreon.com slash callingfromelmlake to help support us as independent artists, carving out our own space in this creative world. Fear is subjective. Something that can fill one person with dread could bring comfort to another. While there are fears that are universal, the way that each person responds to those fear triggers is going to be personalized and individual. These are things that do not come from us, but our reactions to them remain within our control. Find a way to embrace your fears and turn them to your benefit. There are the quiet voices, the dark thrummings, and the faceless demons that can push us to do things we never believed we could accomplish.